Welcome to World Review Commentary. This is your host, George Butler. Today we have Alan Watt. He's a fine guest. He's an author, thinker, philosopher, songwriter, and performer. Welcome to our program, Alan Watt. It's a pleasure to be on with you. I could have read your whole thing, but (laughs) I mean, you've got what... You know, tell our listening audience, I've quizzed you on this before... How did you awaken? At what age did you start awakening to the truth and your your journey towards truth seeking? I really started very young when I was um, really toddling around uh, before I went to school even, uh, just by going through various people's homes and listening to their conversations and mainly their arguments between the adults. And it was always over over money and basic things like rent and uh, and food and so on. And this was in, in uh, Britain that had ruled a good part of the world. And that's what made me wonder, how come, if that was the case, that only a couple of hundred families in London owned everything and the rest of the people did not? They owed nothing, really, in those days. So it showed me that there was some kind of rigged system on the go back then. And so I, digged in, I, I got into the, the, the old, old history books the ones that hadn't been tampered with so much, written before the 1900s. Well, and yeah, you're saying that set before 1900, the year, the books were more authentic and, and the they're more authoritarian and truthful. Is that is that your view? Yeah, because uh, you, you understand that most folk you see prior to that age, uh, that era, uh, had been pretty well illiterate, and so the literate class uh, could publish many books for themselves. And since they were the ones who already owned the structure of Britain and its empire, uh, then they were, they were more candid about what they were doing. It wasn't until after the 1900s, especially after World War One, that they really started to alter history with each republication. They began to abridge books, and, and uh, literally, like George Orwell said, a lot of history went down the memory hole and simply disappeared from the regular books. I was looking into Pearson, uh, which is a, a British company, the other day, and they 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 say in, in Wikipedia. I'm just going by Wikipedia. Well, actually, I think uh, I, I looked it up on some database, and they were saying that they're the largest uh, educational publishers in the world. Mm-hmm. Does that sound yeah, right? Yeah. It's, it's very probable. Uh, Prentice Hall, uh, I think, is one of their main publishing title. Uh, you know, houses. Yeah, that's right. And what we find today in uh, Europe especially in Britain and in the Americas and Canada, you have the same, uh, it's not even a handful of main publishing houses that give you all of your educational books because they want to standardize education worldwide. Therefore, it must all contain the same information or disinformation because it's all done for a social agenda, not to educate you really. And so you have standardization of the educational system worldwide under the International um, Educational Association. Do you think some of this, of course, is intentional, and then some of it evolved over centuries or millenniums to, to and, and they're they're actually uh, refining this system of hidden rule and control. You think it sort of evolved, and then some of it's really intentional too. Some of it may have evolved. However, we, there's no doubt most of it is intentional. When you go in, again into the history books, and you realize just how long. Uh, big um, uh, meetings, world meetings in a sense have been held uh, comprising of the wealthy families and their control over their countries. Many of these families, even in Europe, are all related to each other regardless of the countries they live in. And uh, they, they cornered every market, including the educational market, 
And because they plan the society they want, they plan the next 100 years, 200 years. Uh, you don't keep power by leaving it to chance. You keep power by planning the future uh, and, and uh, altering the structure of society to make sure that you're always in charge of it. There was there was one time that I looked at the Prussian education system, and there was one time after being defeated by by Napoleon, where they said, "Hey, we've got to educate a soldier citizen." Is that sort of yes. like what you're saying that that they've yeah. actually created these soldier citizens to b- protect the wealth? Uh, there's no doubt about it. Prussia was a big player because Prussia and uh, what became parts of Germany uh, were really into um, the, the soldier. Uh, idea, the soldier, uh, aristocrat, and so on. And um, that's where they had the jewels. Everybody uh, who was anybody in Prussia and amongst the elite had to have at least one saber cut on their feet, on their face, uh, because they're always in these saber fights and uh, and jewels. And uh, that's where the whole militaristic idea for which led to World War One and eventually to World War Two came from was Prussia. And you find all the royal houses of Europe um, are, who are related together uh, really trace their roots back to Prussia. Uh, you have the Saxe-Coburg-Gotha group in London, and they now call themselves Windsor. They changed the name in World War One because they had German names, and it wasn't very good to, to motivate the public to fight Germany when your kings and queens had German names. That Saxe-Coburg relates back to the Gelp, House of Gelp, and then Velf. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, yeah, yeah Guel- it's actually Guelph. It's an old word for wolf. Oh, really? Um, that's where it comes from. And that's also where your, your name golf comes from, because all the high masons play on the golf course. That's where the deals are done. But uh, Guelph, the Guelph families, you'll find if you go into the history of the Americas, the U.S. and Canada, you'll find different place names called Guelph, Mansfield, Grosvenor, and so on. Now, that was because the British Crown gave these families charters to own uh, huge chunks of the Americas, and that they still do. Could you, could you describe the system overall as a money mine sorcery? It's like they're practicing sorcery on most of the population, uh, the masses. Yes, there is no doubt about it. Uh, sorcery, really, magic, is a is a way to fool people by illusion. So, um, so they're they're casting these spells and uh, through through as institutions of higher learning. They're using those too, are they not? Absolutely. We think of education as being a, me- a way to give us skills to survive and compete, and that's part of this whole system of theirs is competition. We all compete. We're taught to from the beginnings of school. But um, education to them at the top is a way to, to give a, a, a more obedient or create a more obedient society. And if you go into the old speeches of Daniel Webster, he gives tremendous speeches about the U.S., and he states that quite openly, that the educational system that they have set up in the U.S. is to create a more obedient, compliant society. Well, Mark Twain had some very cutting things to say about education, too. Uh-huh. And, yeah. and he said it in his own way. I mean, he, he was so down-to-earth and, and commonsensical, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I forget one of the sayings. I'll put it up later. But uh, he, he, he's something about the barrel of strawberries. At the top, it's okay, but at the bottom, it's rotten. <laughs> That's right. And he also talked about the, the myth of uh, America, the myth being that if you just work hard, you get to the top. Then he goes into the little dialogue about uh, picking up the pins at the bank and eventually the bank manager giving this little boy a job uh, because he's so hardworking. 
and then the boy marries the, the bank manager's uh, daughter, and then he goes into the real one, uh, the real the real society where you, the little boy picks up the pins, the bank manager grabs him, and then kicks him out with, with no reward at all. Oh, that, that's the reality opposed to the myth. Yeah. I always say a bank robber robs with a gun. And and these money people with a pen. <laughs> absolutely, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And and you know what? I, I think I used to I used to think the bank robber was was a was a criminal and thief. Now I think he's a folk hero. <laughs> yes, that's right. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, these characters. I'm not saying that tongue in cheek, of course. You know, I don't believe in robbing banks, but mm-hmm. <laughs> but they're robbing each other sometimes. Uh, once in a while, they're allowed a little bit of competition there, as long as it's done with their own rules. But the these characters literally. I mean, I, I was. I know people in Merrill Lynch, investment company, and they told me how it works. How the Tokyo Bank is so many hours behind the New York Bank and all the rest of it, and and how they can uh, tap in. There's hack, they're hackers all the time inside trading, and they they make millions overnight by transferring money, maybe two or three times, shifting it two or three times to different banks depending on the interest rate. Uh, well, they give the common investor um, a, a few percent back on their on their investments. You know, one 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 thing that I see between you and some of the some of the great philosophers of the world and thinkers is that you you bring some you know about money and you know about the occult. You mm-hmm. know, they yeah. leave that out. Yeah. You take someone like Dalai Lama or something; they're all spiritual and they're just pushing some kind of a spiritual, you know what I mean. Uh, uh, idea or worldview, but they they leave out this money angle in this, uh, you know, and and the occult that and and the, I can't I don't think you can leave those out. No, I watched the Dalai Lama on a little documentary uh, with a, with one of his um, his lesser employees, you might say, and I watched him touch his forehead to the top of this lesser's head, and these old uh, occultic rituals that they do. Uh, see, all the tops of the religions are part of the control. They control vast amounts of people, and those in, at the top are always brought into the real world, the world that runs the system here. Well, and, would you would you say that there's a network then of, of oh, people yeah. that really are clued in? Absolutely. Oh, and absolutely. Now, There's no doubt about it. Yeah. And that's really when when you're describing uh, your own worldview, are the are the are the essence of what is real, re- true reality. Then you're describing a network of people that that have mastered uh, are masters of of control and, and manipulation and mind wash and and mind control, right? Absolutely. Uh-huh. And they use what all the isms in the world to do it. They do. Uh, they, they use all the ologies and isms. And uh, and they use all the sciences they can get a hold of, and that's one of the biggest pushes, of course, and that came from Frankfurt School and so on, the, the educational system of today. Uh, I think Gatto has a fantastic book out on the hidden, um, or the, the secret uh, forms of education for the Americas, but it was for the whole world, in fact, and it all came out from, from Germany uh, in the 1800s, again, with Prussian guys on top who designed it, they wanted a compliant society, societies that would be the mass man. They'd act as a, a mass unit rather than individuals. And they, they said in their own writings they'd have to destroy individuality and the rights of the individual for a compliant society, a well-behaved, ordered society. You seem to, to dwell a lot on individualism. Yeah. Because cause that's really the way that you nurtured your, your own view. Is that Would that be a correct... Uh... No doubt that the whole thing about school is conformity. From the day you go into it, it's conformity. 
it's all moving at the same time in gymnastics, doing the same thing, um, clapping your hands even when you're five at the same time, repeat after me. It's, it's all mass training. And again, that came from the old Frankfurt School. Uh, and the missionaries like John Dewey and all the others were sent out to bring this into effect. Uh, they said, as I say, that, that individuality must be destroyed. It was the only enemy they had. Uh, towards this this mass control, which they were looking forward to. Because what what you're saying maybe is that individuals could come to the conclusion that you have come to about the way it really works. So mm-hmm. they don't want individuals, right? They don't, and they also knew that for every step of the agenda, which they had figured out a long time ago, uh, there would be repercussions, and eventually grassroots organizations would set themselves up. So they thought they could train the leaders before the events, uh, and they would start up the grassroots movements, their own opposition, and lead them round in circles. And that's what we have today. You have a dialectic a maze of of conflicts of different groups fighting one another. Is is that right? Uh, that's right. Uh, to get something happening on a large scale in society, you've got to create a, a ripple that affects the masses. And you know, within the masses, there'll be someone who will set up an opposition to it. And if you set up your own opposition, who says all the right things, eventually you come to a compromise between the two conflicting sides. The compromise is actually what you were after in the first place, because a compromise means that someone lost somewhere along the line. Yeah, so in other words, someone's giving up both sides or giving up their real principles. That's right. Or they're, they're, they're very... Uh... Yeah, you know, I got you. I, their heartfelt views, whatever they might be, whether they're they're well intentioned or not. That's right. You, you cannot compromise a way of freedom. You can't do it. There's no such thing as compromising freedom. You either have freedom or prison, right? That's right. You have yeah, absolutely imprisonment, enslavement. I guess it can be said a lot of ways. That, and what you're saying is that these ideas form a prison, a matrix. Uh, well, oh, getting back to your site. Tell us about your site, cutting through the matrix. Yeah, I've I've put up talks that I've done over the years going into the histories of the various groups and foundations that help fund all of this and they can download from that site cutting through the matrix uh, hundreds of talks that help to fill in a lot of blanks that you don't get normally in in school or in the media for sure and I I try and tie it together and show you the, the, the how all of these groups are interconnected towards a common goal and the goal is not pretty, it's pretty nasty. And uh, I know most folk can't really look at it too long because uh, the bad news tends to overwhelm you. However, I always say that to, to get to heaven, you've got to go through hell first. And that's what we have to do. So, so there, there's, a, there's an awakening process here that, that we need to go, we have to begin that awakening up to, to real truality. What is? Yeah. And, and that's hard to do. It's very difficult when you realize we have been going under, like Aldo Huxley said, a, a scientific indoctrination since we were born. We don't realize that. I mean, prior to, to television, definitely to radio, uh, it was much harder to, to brainwash vast amounts of people uh, in the same formula, by the same technique, to bring them all to the same conclusion so that they'd be of one mindset. But with the advent of radio and television, you, you'll find that Huxley and Bertrand Russell and many of the big players that were involved in the, the foundations, the, the think tanks, uh, especially the ones in psychiatry. Psychiatry is a big player in this. 
um, they brought them all in, and the marketing companies that knew how to make or motivate people to buy were all brought together to condition vast amounts of the public. Alan, we're going to have to take a break right now, but we'll be back in, in about three minutes. And could we get into the, some of that psychiatry? And there's a Frenchman, is it Louvre? Lou, Lou, Can yeah. we talk about him a little bit too? Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll be back in, in about three minutes. Thank you, Alan. Welcome back to World Review Commentary. Let me let let me say something a quote from our guest to this morning. His name is Alan Watt. Listen to what he says. This is a quote out of, out of one of his publications. In all ages, in all lands, there have been those who seek truth. This seeking is an individual search for something more than self and much more than the confines of this worldly system. It is the seeker who understands there is more than what meets the eye, who is not afraid and makes the choice to go into the unknown. The process of awakening has begun. The discovery is underway. This was written 2007 by Alan Watt. Welcome back to our program, Alan. It's a pleasure to be on. Those are fine words. The the technology angle here, um, like Kurt Lewin, he, he, did he introduce some of the early technology through Tavistock? And, and then there was this Frenchman that you speak about at times also. Yeah, there were, there were many of them, actually. The, the big one that we know of, you see, the idea was to, they knew, and they had meetings about this, they knew that, that religion was a big obstacle to bringing in a scientifically controlled society. And so they brought out Freud. That was a big one that they really pushed after Darwin. Darwin was also part of this, in fact, in his day. Uh, Social Darwinism, Freud. something like that? Yeah, Darwinism was to help to obliterate religion and and uh, replace it with a new theory, uh, which is just a theory, uh, although it's taught as fact, and that was evolution. And if, if everything evolved and there's no God, we're on our own. Therefore, the, those with the, the brains and the education should lead the world. That was the whole idea of it. But it was also to bring in uh, an old idea, and that was eugenics, uh, the better different types of species, subspecies, and so on, and the useless eaters at the bottom. Uh, heavily written about at the time of Darwin, uh, Karl Marx wanted to dedicate his fourth or fifth publication, republication of the Communist Manifesto to to Darwin, and Darwin um, was advised not to simply because he had to keep his distance at his stage and where he was based uh, from the Communist Party. So they're all in bed together, and of course the Darwin family already were, was practicing eugenics because they only married for a few generations into the Wedgwood family. Every wife was a Wedgwood so uh, they were already practicing eugenics. They believed that, that through scientific breeding they could, they could uh, create a super race. This is where the whole idea of Superman came from. And uh, the, 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 the Germans took this up in World War II. Uh, the Soviets also tried to practice it on a different scale. They called it the Soviet man that they would create. And it's still ongoing today. Uh, we find through the writings of uh, Aldo Huxley 
uh, Aldo Huxley's grandfather, remember, was the best friend of, Carl, uh, of, of Darwin. And so you, you always find the same relationships and the same families doing the same part of their agenda, specialized agenda, intergenerationally. And uh, Huxley wanted a brave new world type system where they would breed uh, different types of humans, specially made uh, humans, for their particular purpose. And that's where we're all going today, it's being on the go, non-stop from the beginning of the 1900s. And we find that the greatest mathematician who ever existed, uh, Rutherford in Britain, uh, he was the guy who did all the measurements for the pyramids and so on, uh, hired by the Royal Institute, um, the Royal Society. He uh, worked in his memoirs, his own memoirs by the 1920s, he worked on genetics long before we were told they'd actually discovered the gene in his own book the man writes that he was employed to work on on genes now why would you hire a man who's a mathematician to work on genes if he couldn't actually see them my gosh this, this tra- transhumanism is is that a good term to for our uh, listeners to go in and look up yes that's the idea but step by step i mean i used to wonder how could they bring us into a brave new world where you have uh, different categories of humans from the elite all the way down, purpose-made humans. And I, I realize we're actually on, well on our way. Uh, first, they introduced the computer, which they didn't have to give the public. Remember, they already had it for the, the military-industrial complex. They were the ones who ran uh, Internet sites amongst military organizations. They even had one set up with the Soviet Union so they made sure there was no mistakes. Uh, because they're all working um, apparently against each other, but at the top they're working with each other. They want to uh, coordinate their efforts in other words. That's where the network comes in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we find the people who worked at MI6, like Peter Wright, clued into this, that, the, that there wasn't just the Soviets uh, with their KGB and Britain with its MI6. There was also a party above them that made sure there were no mistakes. They were all working together. There's this thing called the semantic web. Are you familiar with with that? It's a new level of the web, I believe, as I understand it. I'm, I have a very, you know, limited knowledge of this, where there, there's, it's more database and databases interacting through a lot of different new languages with the user online. I know about that. What's even more important is this virtual world? This virtual. I, I, I always laugh at the word virtual. Yeah. What does that mean? Tell us about that. It, it's, uh, it, well, it comes really against a play on the old Masonic virtue. They always go into the virtues. Before you're a Mason, you have no virtue. Once you become one, you have virtue. And uh, you have virtual, not quite reality, but, but almost reality, a different kind of reality. Almost, huh? <laughs> and And we, we saw this with the, with the 70s and 80s. They show you these big helmets on children as they, as they were in their own little world playing a virtual game. And they put some machines, some of these virtual reality games, into the into uh, I think it was Waterworld in Canada, where where they have uh, the fish and so on, the big oceanic fish, and they put one into um, Disneyland, or a few into Disneyland. And what they found was when you go into these this virtual world, even for ten minutes, you can walk up uh, walls, walk across ceilings, and do all amazing kinds of things. But they found that when you came off the machine, jumped into your car, and drove away, almost everyone was driving into someone else. Because your, <laughs> your, your brain had adapted so quickly 
uh, to this. Uh, is this, this entrainment? Is that is that a technique? What they call yeah. entrainment? It's part of entrainment. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Your brain will adapt so quickly uh, to all uh, to things which you could not possibly do in reality, uh, and it cannot switch back immediately either. You have to relearn how to walk on the ground and drive a car <laughs> or drive a car, right? <laughs> and your spatial ability has to be uh, come back to you. God, so, that's insightful. So these things uh, are the, because they have now the military-industrial complex. And I've got it up on my site. Uh, in cahoots with governments, have talk, are, are actually doing this. But they're collecting all the data from all internet users, coupling it with census data, and and making a virtual you. One of you somewhere is in a computer system, and they've created a virtual world where they have your personality type, your likes, dislikes, what you do with yourself, your purchases, that kind of thing. They've got a a substitute you already inside a computer somewhere. You know, recently they've come out with this this scanner program that this uh, American came up with on Wikipedia. Mm -hmm. Several years ago, I experienced that firsthand, but I didn't know what was going on. I was looking at a page, and then I went to something else, and then three or four minutes later I came back and refreshed that page and went back to the page, and something was missing. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. A piece yeah. of the, the page that I looked at three or four minutes earlier was missing off the page. Yes. So, uh-huh. so this is a continuous, contrived uh, uh, editing process to continue the the rule, the the the, the influence. There's no doubt about it. And with the new marketing techniques and the new way that they're leading us all into, they expect people to sit in their homes one day, and not too far away. Actually, they could do it now. And you will appear to be in an office with other real people, but it's all the virtual people <laughs> in this cyberspace. Oh yeah, now when you couple that with, with uh, a made the Matrix movie, that's exactly what they're creating. Yes, that, that the, the red pill, the blue pill. The, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, what I experienced uh, some of this one time, too, was that a friend of mine, I, w- I was uh, putting together a production this summer, a musical I'd, I'd written, and I was talking to this girl, and she said, I have this pet. I said, well, what kind of pet do you have? She said, let me show you. She went to the web and showed me the pet that was in her virtual uh, pet shop. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be oh, right yeah. back, Alan. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I don't have any, any virtual pets. Okay, we'll be right back. Thank you, sir. Great host. Great topics. Free speech at its best. This is We the People Radio Network. Welcome back to World Review Commentary. This is your host, George Butler. This morning, I have with me uh, as my guest, Alan Watt, and I'm honored to have him uh, appear on this program. Alan, welcome back to our program. It's a pleasure. We were talking about a virtual reality. All these kids are into virtual game, gaming and stuff, and that's just gone too far. What what do you think? Well, the, the point of it all is to bring us step by step into literally a matrix-type world, a world where you will be a battery, an energy source, and uh, you'll be used by those at the top. But it's also to... It it blurs. In fact, it it totally confuses what is reality, what is normal, what is abnormal. Today, in this system, they try to tell us there's nothing abnormal, if you notice. 
there's no good, bad, or evil. There's, o- there's only uh, the end result. So any any emotional tag they put to it is a human judgment, and that's sort of successfully pretty well eliminated right and wrong, good and evil. Once they have done that, they can then bring forward the next step, and that is literally uh, the purpose made human. Uh, the I- ID also means ideal design. That's another little side meaning of ID for your ID card. They want to create uh, ideally designed humans, and this was written about in Huxley's Brave New World. Uh, he was told he was put out there to, uh, on the one hand, give us predictive programming. When when you follow stories, especially fiction that have thrills in them and and, and they're fascinating and lots of science fiction in it, you don't realize you're being programmed towards something which will eventually happen in your lifetime, and you accept it far more readily when you're familiar with the idea, especially when it's been presented through a fictional work, and that's called predictive programming all the way from Tavistock, and that was the job of Huxley, and we can go as far back as Plato, who was a member of the old Greek uh, aristocracy, who wrote the book The Republic, and Republic was to be a utopia for this guardian class where all the the common people beneath them were purpose-made and bred for their particular job. Well, you can tell the people in the network because they're Neoplatonists. Is that why they subscribe to that? I guess they do. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Neoplatonism came out really in Alexandria uh, in about the 2nd century A.D., and they had schools in Alexandria where they coupled the old mystery religions of Egypt and tacked it on to the to the talks that Plato gave, and that's called Neoplatonism. And you'll find every big player who's ever existed, the Huxleys, the H.G. Wells, again another propagandist for them, uh, they always refer back to Plato and the Republic, where the the goal of the guardian class, especially uh, the, the special the ones who had special selection, uh, would be fulfilled. And they said that if they could breed people like like animals, if you want a tall, strong apple picker, you simply breed him uh, with a tall, strong female, and keep interbreeding that their offspring until you get what you want. So they they equated the people to cattle and to animals and domestic animals, and that actually has been tried down through many centuries in different countries. We found that with the Zulus, uh, Chaka the Zulu was approached by British. Uh, you could call them agents if you want or merchants, it doesn't matter, they were both one and the same at one time and uh, he eventually formed a tribe by slaughtering all the shorter people and only keeping those over six foot alive and they interbred them until they had the, the, the giant ones we call the Zulu today. So eugenics has been practiced widely in the past the elite have always practiced it, uh, priesthoods used to go through genealogies, very important to them uh, for certain traits, certain qualities. And what we find uh, is that today we have an elite running the world. The elite families of the world are basically psychopaths in nature. They don't have that normal human attachment to other uh, humans. Is, is, is that a genetic thing or is it learned also? Is it learned behavior and genetic or both? It's both. Uh, you see, the psychopaths, when they exist and they run the system, and this system is meant for the psychopath. It's only the psychopath who can get to the very top of any system here. They do it through cunning and manipulation and, and the will to 
to destroy anyone who's in their way. They have no conscience. Well, this money operations acts as a great dynamic of a barter fuel oh, to, to create the, the, this, this synergistic system of rule, of hidden rule. Would, would, would that be a fair statement? There's no doubt. This, this is the psychopath system. This is not a natural system we live in. And from the earliest days to the present, uh, uh, since money was created, uh, we've been run by psychopaths because they, they, they gravitate towards power. The psychopath has an exaggerated craving for power, total control. He is a control freak, or she, doesn't matter. And they've been specially bred down through the ages, these, these wealthy, successful families who generally got their money through plunder. But when you go into even uh, the Yale Society, Elihu Yale, who set up Yale before the Revolutionary War, said that regardless of what happens in the future, all the leaders of this country will come from here, and therefore uh, they will continue our agenda. It seems like that they have seized upon uh, this money, uh, a monopoly of money creation, and that's a really main controlling yeah. mechanism. Would would that be uh, be yeah. right? Yeah, we forget there are many ways that humankind could have come to this point, but we've been directed along one system since 800 B.C., actually before that, in 800 B.C., they coined money for the first time before they weighed it. But uh, money and lending money and interest and all of this kind of stuff is very, very old, and as far as money goes back in any form, uh, you'll find the psychopaths have ruled it. Uh, they are the natural con men. Uh, a psychopath has certain gifts as well. They don't have to be tremendously clever uh, educational-wise. However, they are naturally streetwise. They see the corn immediately, and they, they're able to exploit it. This, these, these psychopaths and these individuals, the megalomaniacal, whatever, however, you know, these are terms to, to describe. Is it the abstraction that they're able to seize upon that are wrong-headed and actually wrong that they support what's wrong in them? Is that Would that be one way to say it? Yeah, they, they, see, this is the thing. You see, the is ordinary it? person, when you study the psychopath, the ordinary people, uh, what do you used to say about the psychopath? The psychopath damages those around them, but not themselves, because they don't worry about anything. They don't have the conscience of a normal person. So the fallout generally is taken up by families around them or people around them. So uh, they can practice this, this physical dominance and ruthlessness without any conscience. Without any conscience, and they form, you see, a psychopath is able to recognize other psychopaths intuitively. And long ago they formed clubs and associations, Richmond's clubs and associations. And uh, they themselves, they view themselves as being the natural successors to, to, to the world, as be, because they are the most successful financially. Uh, they're willing to be vicious when required. Uh, to have wars or, or, or start wars uh, to get agendas through and slaughter millions of people. So they see themselves, and that's why they, they push the Darwinist theory, they see themselves as the most highly evolved species on the planet as being predators, and they're very proud of that. They, uh, they say that, they, in fact, Darwin himself and also General Albert Pike said, we have no shame in, in saying that, that uh, we follow nature and nature's laws. And by that they meant if we equate them to animals and the higher predators, then they are the natural successors. They're the highest predators. And then this feeds, uh, this is re, re, uh, re, I mean, reiterated by, by Darwinism, or I mean, or whatever. Yes. Oh, absolutely. And then, yeah. oh, I got you. And then man is the animal, right? Yeah, and, and so you have lessers and, and the higher animal. And the lessers are all the people who follow 
they are the alpha ones who lead. So they're very proud of that. And they really do push the, the whole evolutionary theory because it, it substantiates their stance on why they are the, where they, they are. You know, this, this kingship was a divine right. How would you describe their... How do they uh, come about their rights? That they are the the really the intelligent people that can guide the world to this new whatever madness. Yeah. Is that is that sort of the illusion or the delusion? That's that's exactly it. They uh, think themselves as gods. Is that sort of another? Yes. Oh yeah. I mean, divine right meant that. You, you see, they have their their, their own occult. So you understand the occult. You understand them. Their their little religion there, and uh, the way that all religions were set up, you had a hierarchy in heaven. Uh, and therefore you had a hierarchy on earth, like a mirror reflection. You had the king at the top, the advisors and, and the lords and the, the cousins, all the way down uh, to the local laird. And then you had the peasantry. And so it was modeled on this idea of a heaven above and, and the reflection below. And the divine right of kings, people used to come up to kings like King James. And if you touched their clothing, they were taught uh, you could actually be healed. So they were like walking gods. My they, they gosh. Really believed that, yeah. And, and, and this just continued that ego state, that super charged ego, that megalomaniacal thing that, uh, the, the glorified self, I think Karen Horn yeah. and I used to describe it that way. That's right. They, uh, they think of themselves as glorified gods. Yeah, blue bloods. Yeah. Blue bloods. We're better than the, the little masses. The masses are a bunch of dummies out there. We're going to manipulate them and use them, right? We'll be right That's back right. in about three minutes. Thank you, Alan. Welcome back to World Review Commentary. I'm your host, George Butler. Welcome back to our program, Alan One. It's a pleasure to be here. The this this do we exist in a field? Could you look at this from a field theory? Do, is that sort of the way you look at it at times? I know it's been pushed this unified field theory idea. Yeah. What what about that? Where we're all interdependent and so on. But I don't really believe that at all. Um, that's the big key of it. Uh, you find the UN and everyone else is pushing interdependence. It's a mandate, in fact, to do with globalism. And it's not true. Uh, we, we exist with, it, with each other on certain rules and regulations and terms, and you either exist as a mass group with all the same opinions, the mass man, uh, or you, you exist as, as individuals with their own rights and freedoms and and ideas and opinions, and you accept and tolerate that in others as one or the other. If the individual loses, the game is over. The mass man will simply go into the next step, which is the purpose-made man. You'll accept that quite readily. It's only the individual that ever changes the world. So so we get back to individualism again. Versus this collective, they're, they're, are they are, are the real the real movers and shakers creating a collectivist uh, fascist world it's government? Actually, it's actually here. Most people don't have opinions of their own. Uh, they all the greatest tool that Huxley said was television, and, really? and Brave New World revisited, and uh, he said through television that they could propagate so much. Uh, disinformation and information and bring everyone to the same conclu conclusions and opinions a standardized human being and that's what you find in society whenever you go out you hear and this was also reiterated by Brzezinski Zygmunt Brzezinski 
uh, between two ages. He said, shortly the public will be unable to form an opinion by themselves. They'll allow the media to do it all for them, to do the reasoning for them. Well, that's happened with most people. Uh, he also said that the only conversations you will hear shortly are reiterations of the previous night's news, and that's what you hear when you go out. Everyone's talking about what they heard last night on the news. It's information, informing, huh? And informing, yeah. In- and, and, and they form you into this, into, into this, this parrot, right? That's, that's all people really are. Uh, the, the, they are parrots. Even with debates on, on, uh, politics or whatever, you, they always have uh, one or two experts. Again, a world run by experts. Oh, I love those experts. experts, don't you? <laughs> yeah, and they come on after a politician speaks and both will interpret it in a completely opposing way. So they'll spin it like they won't, right? And Joe Average, you see, they know this, that Joe Average will pick one or the other, and that will become his opinion. That's and a dialectic. You know, what, what, I, what I found very common out there is if you quiz most of these uh, college students or graduates or something, and you ask them the, the question, is truth relative? They'll say, yeah, truth is relative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Almost inevitably, you'll get that answer just like a parrot response. Yes, and again, that was promoted through school from the beginning uh, with them. Uh, moral relativism, and if you go into the Kabbalah, it's very important to, to understand the Kabbalah, because uh, uh, you'll find that the top Hollywood producers and, and so on, all the Hollywood crowd, they're all into Kabbalah. They even send their children to, to the Kabbalistic schools, and um, I think Madonna even sends her child there. And the and the Kabbalah, uh, they don't believe it's right or wrong or good or evil. They always they're told to acquit it like a line going from left to right, and it just depends on how your human view looks at past events, even if it's mass slaughters or wars, uh, and look at the outcome. Was it was it good for a certain few of society, or at least for some of society, or or, or not? So good and bad are, are irrelevant to them, as in the same with good and evil. And I did hear an interview with some of the top horror and sci-fi writers. And they were all asked the same question, do you believe that such a thing is good or evil? And they all gave the standard, a classic, Kabbalistic response. There's no such thing as only the human uh, view on past events. So, so it's a subjectivist uh, view that they're, they've been nurturing and pushing. No yes. objectivism. They don't want that. They don't want a real objective view, do they? Not at all. Uh, once again, objectivism comes from individual responses and individual thought. Now, the interesting thing you've said in the past is where you have to experience it directly. The more directly that you experience reality, the more true uh, opinion you, you're able to form. In, uh, to is that to form? Is that something that's uh, valid? Statement? Absolutely, absolutely. When you when you stand outside or walk amongst them, uh, almost like an alien observing society. It, it really smacks you in the face uh, how conditioned it is. It's all conditioned responses. You you walk into a store, you have have a nice day. Did we find all we wanted, sir? And all these classic uh, conditioned Pavlovian responses that trigger you to then respond to them and say yes, of course. Uh, and that's what they're, they're doing. You're being trained through other people who, in themselves, are conditioned to give them also Pavlovian response. I'm okay, you're okay, everything's okay, mm-hmm. nothing matters, there's no good or evil, and, and just do your own thing, right? That's right. If you went to a store, and I do this, 
and they'll say, how are we today, sir? They're all told to say this, and it's, and it's automatic, like, have a nice day. Have a nice day, sir. <laughs> and, and I, 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 said, I guess myself really saying that. <laughs> yeah, and I, I said, do you really want to know? Yeah, I, I said, do you really want to know? Or I'll say it's been hell. How about have and, a lousy day, sir? Yeah, and, and you'll snap them out of their conditioning for a few minutes. Yeah, well, uh-huh. you can put that on them and they say, what? What'd you say? That's it. Uh-huh. You shock them into reality. You know? Shock them back into it, yeah. <laughs> but jokingly, right? <laughs> yes, and it does work. It does work. They'll because they'll say, what? Smile. What is that? Because they've never heard that. They're, 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 they're conditioned to that, that normal, typical uh-huh. response. That's right. Everything is Pavlovian training. From when you enter your car and that little buzzer sounds for your seatbelt, you're being trained by a sound to respond in a certain condition. And there's an insurance company that's going to minimize their payouts, right? That's right. (laughs) Yeah. Uh So it's money operations we get back. The temple bankers, right? The temple bankers, the trapezes, used to call them. And they were were priests, too, so they practiced uh, mind wash on the public with religions and money um, dominance uh, on the... You know, on the farmers. Yes, yes, they did. And that started thousands of years ago when priests used to bring in the seed. Everyone had to give seed to the temples. And eventually the, the priests caught on to the fact that they could ask for X amount back plus surplus. That was interest. So so, so the, the, the percentage over and above what they had borrowed from the temple was the yeah. considered to be the interest. The, That's right. Regardless of the growing season, good year, bad year, whatever. Well, interest to me, look, is a fictional idea that was created to dominate the space-time continuum. Yeah, interest That's is what a I normal say. thing. Yeah, it, it truly is. It's, uh, it, it's, it's an it, invention. It's, it's, well, so is money. See, money yes. itself was an invention. Yes. Uh, and and uh, this is the old allegory to do with Eden. Uh, if Eden was perfection and you leave Eden, there's only one road out of it where now you have to survive in a wild world, which isn't too too hospitable at times. And you're on the road to science where man, through his own will, will conquer and subjugate and overcome. But it's a road of science. And this, this particular road has one ending, and that is the elimination of conscious thought for the majority of the public, because those at the top must have it that way. So, so, so is this the, is that the new religion then? It is, yes. And and then and then and then, but it sounds so good and, and so logical. Is that the way they're presenting it at times? Yeah, absolutely, uh, absolutely. Um, guys like Arthur Kessler, who worked for MI6, put a lot of uh, science fiction novels out there again, and also many non-fictional works, and worked for the United Nations too. I wrote a book called The Ghost in the Machine, which is your mind, by the way, your individual personal mind. That's what the ghost in the machine is. And uh, he said we must eliminate that by any means possible, the individual part that makes you you in order to gain world peace. The, is, is this a madness that is being promulgated and nurtured uh, and projected and created through institutions at times onto the population? Uh, there's no doubt. It's, it's from the. Uh, it's the not top. sane. It's an insane dynamic and thought and process. And seems like to me, uh, the way to describe it would be that way. It's diabolically insane. Yes, it is. Because it's incredibly cunning. Uh, they do have the data of of observation of populations, uh, behaviorism uh, that have collected over a vast uh, amount of time, and they they know they can pull this off. They can train the public. Uh, like a huge herd towards this final giving up of your individuality. And if they give you enough stress, 
enough worries, uh, enough hype, uh, a faster pace of life, uh, then, and it offer this as a way to escape, maybe even temporarily. That's how they'll first push it. Uh, better than the movies, better than tranquilizers. Uh, then most folk will go for it, you see. Like breeder, breeders of hate. Yeah. They breed hate, and they, they don't want any what forgiveness uh, in there at all, do they? Uh, no. No. Uh, so, it, it, so we've got the forces of forgiveness against the battling the forces of non-forgiveness, and the non-forgiveness is of the world. Yes, you, you are dealing with, with, with uh, strange powers here. There's no doubt about it. Uh, we're dealing with people who, who project wars in the future and plan them a hundred years ahead sometimes and train troops to go into covert wars like the School of the Americas to slaughter millions of people. Yes, they, they, yeah, they reinstituted that and changed the name. I can't even tell you the name of the uh, School of the Americas anymore, but it's still there. It's still in Fort Benning. Yeah, it's Fort Benning, Georgia, but it's got a name that's, uh, God, it eludes me right now, but it's it's still there. And it's But they kicked them out of Panama. Yes. Way back, and that's why they went in there and took out Torrios, it looks like. That's what John that's Perkins correct. says that's in his right. uh, Confessions of a Economic Hitman. We yes. had him last week, and he testified that Torrios was taken out because he went against the School of the Americas. Yeah, they what? wanted the U.S. to stop interfering in Latin America. We're going to be right back and take a, a real short break. It's just a minute break at the top of the hour, and then we'll be right back and continue this conversation. Thank you, Alan. News, politics, cover-ups, government corruption. You're listening to We the People Radio Network. WTPRN. Welcome back to World Review Commentary. Welcome back to our program, Alan Watt. I'm happy to be here. That, that little introduction stuff was a song I wrote. It's a march called the Red, White, and Blue March. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I wrote that for uh, for a musical that that we did last summer. Um, do you do you find it frustrating at times um, in people accepting what you're saying? Is uh, is there is there like a resistance in there uh, in in a lot of people because they've been so programmed and uh-huh. and uh, and conditioned and educated to into what's wrong? Yes, there there's no doubt about it. You see, when people are fairly, we're living in a short era here, a short era where. They've given one generation abundance of credit cards uh, and so on and, and uh, cheap produce they can buy from China. So their lives seem to be fairly good at the moment, uh, but it's only artificial. It's a short time as all of the steam rolls ahead to get to a, a particular end. And in Brave New World, for instance, you find these, these new types of humans, all specially bred through test tubes and uh, gene interfacing and so on, you find that they're quite happy with their lives, with their popping pills to feel this emotion or that emotion, whatever emotion, and electric stimuli. Well, it's almost there today with a lot of people who are uh, out there in an egocentric world, and that's what they pushed. People like Huxley and others says we shall push egocentric behavior, tell people to dwell on, on the happy things and, and to never look at the bad things. It's also been pushed through the New Age phenomena, which they created. Uh, don't look at the, the negative, look at the positive. 
And if you don't look at the train coming up behind you, then it's going to hit you. It's perfect. They've literally um, put millions of people out of the, 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 the game here of, of retaliation, or at least even noticing what's happening, because they're taught not to look at the negative. I don't want to hear that. That's bad news. Don't tell me. Uh, so egocentric behavior has been promoted through the behavioral psychologists at the top. And believe you, every government hires thousands of these people in the behavioral sciences. And they, they use them in their formats and in the educational system uh, to create this particular um, society which has its defense mechanisms all, all switched off. So when a man graduates from a, a higher school of education, and he's, it's a designation of having been conditioned to, to fit in, to obey, to be enslaved. Is, would, that be, would that be oh, fair? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, right down to what you wear, the suit and the tie, uh, the mandatory uniform of masonry. The tie, of course, is your tow rope, the, the masonry. I don't know if people realize that. That's why it's the only authorized uniform to wear in court or anywhere else. Uh, and no one asks why. Uh, uh, so, so from the way you dress to the way you behave and what you'll actually accept and tolerate uh, in your work uh, and the things that you're told to do, perhaps, um, uh, it's all compliance for the job. Back in the 70s, they began to promote big time, the corporate man, uh, the company man, you're part of a team, team player, all this kind of stuff. And that was to expand through corporations into a society of team players where we're all interdependent. So, so of course, and but they have to obey uh, their, their supervisor or the head man. Yes. Absolutely, or they're out. Mm-hmm. So you're either with me or you're against me. And, and then came the... <laughs> Sounds like something similar here, doesn't it? It is the same. It's, it's all interconnected because it was through the foundations, they said, that they would fund all the non-governmental organizations uh, and uh, promote uh, a new system. Uh, that's the Soviet system. The Soviet system had non-governmental organizations, the only difference being that the Soviet Politburo decided who would be the top of the NGO. In America and the West, the NGOs are funded by the big foundations like the Rockefeller Foundation. And Professor Carl Quigley said the new feudal system we shall bring in worldwide that shall rule the world uh, it will be a feudal system where the new uh, overlords are the CEOs of the international corporations. So, so these NGOs don't have any elected, uh, they're not elected officials. They, we have no control over them, and they just are being used to bring about what the real manipulators want. That's right, yeah. You know, Alvin Teufler, in his books, uh, in one of his earlier books, was pushing these NGOs real big time. He was, and uh, Teufler, all, the, all these science fiction writers belong to a, a society. It's called the Futurist Society. Yes, the Futurist, yeah. And they go there, they're invited there, certain ones of them. They're, they're told what they really have in sciences and what they'll bring out in the next 20, 30 years. And then they tell them to write stories around it to familiarize the public with the idea because once you're familiarized through fiction uh, and it comes along in your lifetime, you never question the rights or wrongs of it. You think it's a natural evolution if it's to familiarize you with the idea. So, so Toffler, of course, was one of these guys. Um, and he also wrote a book called The Third Way, which was the, the combination, the coming together of Sovietism and capitalism, communism and capitalism, the two, the two sides of the same coin, uh, the dialectic. Uh, to produce the third way, which was a fascist elite at the top that would run everything, uh, that would interbreed being superior and all of that kind of stuff. 
and you'd have the masses down below run by a communistic type style bureaucracy. I see. And of course, he, he, every congressman was given a copy of that book by Newt Gingrich on the on the. Well, you know who's associated the, with Alvin Toffler is Newt Gingrich. Uh, that's right. He's a mentor. And, and he, in fact, Newt Gingrich uh, ta talks about Alvin Toffler as being a, a mentor of his. He does, and yeah. and Gingrich also. Uh, is the man who starts off, he gives the opening speeches every other year at Loyola University where they have the world science meeting to do with genetic engineering to create a brave new world society. So if we're in the mood for some real liberal from the left, they, uh, they hustle us with that view. If we're in the mood for some right, extreme right view, then we, they give us that. They just dish out what, what we're yeah. hungry for or what we think we need, right? That's right. And we are being guided, uh, by the left and the right, because, I mean, what, what bunch of uh, politicians do you want in? This bunch of multi-millionaires on the left or the bunch of multi-millionaires on the right who are all interbred, we don't have any such thing as democracy. We have a corporate fascist system running this world, and it's interfaced with the old families of Europe and London. You know, you know that that point you make was very interesting. I stumbled onto something very similar, if not something pretty close to that, years ago at the University of Texas here, and it was in a book, but it was published by a university publishing house. Mm -hmm. But it, it sort of occurred to me that those are ways. If 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 somebody comes up with a real insightful view like the, that view right there and publishes it, they want to publish it through a university because it limits the distribution. It does. It See, does. They, they don't the want it to go commercial, otherwise it might sell millions, right? <laughs> yes, it, it, that's a fact. However, it is that there is a grapevine network, and I've noticed this with some of these uh, classic books that the public never hear of, uh, that there's a grapevine network that, that, that goes around all of the elite families and they get their copies. And oh, they, I, they want those books so they can see what, what, how, they, what, how to defeat those, those insights. Yeah, yes. And, so and I spent years collecting books. Uh, where people would die and have auction sales and so on. I'd watch the, the papers for certain people who are well-connected, and uh, it's just staggering the, the actual books that were published for the insiders. I see. The, it seems like it's a process of awakening and coming out of that delusional state. Yes, condition. We're, we're conditioned. That condition state, yeah. that programmed, or however you don't want to describe it. It's a lot, it can be described in a lot of ways, right? Many ways, but ultimately, but it's the same all, thing. yeah, we are all full of conditioned responses and conditioned views, and our opinions are downloaded into us. Little notions and views and little opinions that we think that are original, but they're not. They're not at all. They're just and, poured and into one us. Of the, one of the worst things I, I fear about all of it is that while we're in this incredible indoctrinational system, we don't realize that that what was started by Britain for centuries, that was the war to dominate the world through the creation of an empire, a global empire based on free trade, started in the 1500s and, and taken over by the U.S. in the early 1900s. And you have the Anglo-American establishment. I don't think people realize that, that it's, it's almost completed its goal. And whereas Britain used to go into countries and stimulate wars between tribes and different factions and then come in and subjugate them and unify them under the guise of peace, the U.S. is doing exactly the same. The U.S. really, for the last hundred years, has been involved in open and covert wars continuously all over the world. It 
it looks like, yeah, with all this going on, it looks like there is a virtual reality. Yes. And they've created it. An average person back home is given trivia on the news, and, and what uh, superstar is having an affair with whatever superstar. Uh, meanwhile, they have special forces, and they have been for 50 years since Truman signed that doctrine into perpetual war from 1950, when they realized that the economy would fail back to 1920s, 30s level, unless they had a war economy on the go. And, uh, and that's when they started the School of Americas and everything else sprung up, um, to, to have these covert ongoing wars and they'd have a huge war economy back home. Uh, during the Cold War, it was the best thing ever happened because the U.S. financed missiles into, into Europe, mainly into Germany and so on. Almost every second, third town in the U.S. had, had some input or factories dealing with the war economy. And voila, as soon as the Cold War is over, suddenly it's the Middle East. So it's a continuation of a war economy. So this, this war on terrorism, it, 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 it presents itself as, a, as an amazingly efficient way to organize and control and dominate people. Oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Terror has been used for thousands of years. Uh, the ancient uh, Caesars and emperors of Rome uh, commonly would have select bands of men, the Praetorian Guard, and they'd take sections of them and have them set fire, torch government buildings and wealthy men's buildings in Rome. Blame it on terrorists from outside. False flag operations. Yeah, insurgents, yeah. And, yeah, uh, and, and domestic, they, right? They, yeah, and, and then they would set the troops on the whole population. Well, the Constitution the says that we've got to beware and, and resist and fight those domestic and foreign enemies. Exactly. <laughs> so I guess those thing. domestic enemies are worse than the foreign ones. <laughs> and, yeah, well, the problem is, and, and this is, the, this is the, the, the clever part of this, again, diabolical as it is, that the average person doesn't realize uh, that when they talk about um, terrorism, uh, the, the, the concept and the definition is constantly expanding until you will be given an, an annual, perhaps a monthly psychological evaluation, maybe within the next 10 years, to see if you have any unknown to yourself uh, terrorist tendencies. And that's where it's all going, is for the controlled society. This, this war on terror is really a war on the entire planet, the average person, uh, citizen on the planet. It's a war to take away all their rights, all their freedoms, and to constantly monitor every single thing they do, because the psychopaths at the top will have no peace until they can completely predict every individual on the planet and what their movements will be, what their thoughts will be, and that's what totalitarianism is all about. My gosh. So... And then they can truly be the great gods of, of uh, the universe or whatever. Yeah, and it's interesting yeah. reading the ancient Egyptian because uh, if you look at some of the, the it's almost uh, the polemics are written for the pharaohs uh, by the priests. Uh, they were almost like hymns, and the pharaoh would say, I, who own everything that flies in the sky, I own the stars that move at night, I own everything that walks, crawls, or burrows, burrows into the earth and swims in the sea. I own it all. And, and that's exactly what they're bringing it all back to. And that money, uh, you know, being capitalized and compounded over, over 2,000 years or more is, is tr fueling this, this dominance of buying up everything. You, you cannot beat it. See, the system is a psychopathic system, as I say, and the culture they've given us to adopt came from them so it's psychopathic in culture as well 
where we lose our human values as we interact with each other for, in order for personal gain or, or the fear of being poor even or sick or lonely or, or, and not being able to afford medical health. All of those things are played upon in, in this system and it, it makes us in the psychopathic system inhumane towards each other. I see. So, so fear, fear is a great dynamic and, and, uh, used to control and to manipulate and force people in a way to, to conform, to, Absolutely. to, to take, to, to, to drink at the trough, to, to eat at the trough of, of insanity. Absolutely. <laughs> we truly do become inhumane. And, and I see it more in the cities because in the city is not, again, this old allegory of Nimrod, Nimrod, the big city builder, uh, who contained people within walls. That's what a city is in the old days. And they can't feed themselves. To do so their structure is unnatural. It's an artificial system. And once you have people cooped up in an artificial system, you've got to have a medium of exchange because they, don't have, they can't grow vegetables and have animals and so on. They bring everything from outside. So their structure is called the beehive. That's what Plato called them. And he said we can manipulate and alter the culture so quickly, constantly, in the beehive, and we shall win by the creation of beehive. Is that why on many of the uh, inauguration uh, robes there's there's bees on those those robes? Yes, absolutely. Is, is that symbolic of that idea and dominance or whatever, the beehive it, it, and we it dominate? Is, it is, in fact. In, in Napoleon, when he went uh, with an expedition into Egypt, he went to one of the tombs, and he found a cloak there. Uh, or at least a, a whole bunch of these bees and he had them sewn onto a special cloak and he made the beehive his flag, his symbol. Uh, Cleopatra had it too, of course. The beehive was, was one of Cleopatra's symbols as well. So they put their, their symbols out there. You just have to wake up and take, start looking at this and, and uh, questioning what, what is that really about? Yes, and uh, they, they go by ants, even in the, in the language. I mean, they, they created the English language to contain all the codings in them. And uh, you always find certain words end with ant. And um, the ant is a wingless bee. In a sense, it's more superior because the bee does all the work. And when the bees leave and take off in a swarm, the ants move in and, and they clean everything up. They, they clean out all the honey. And so they use different terms throughout the language. Uh, and they all know what it means at the top. They laugh about it. God, my gosh, so so we're, are, we, are we the profane? I mean, not me and you, but I mean, are the average person the profane that don't know anything? Uh, we, that's right. In fact, going back to the bees and the ants, they see the ants and the bees are the only species really outside of man that will attack and kill each other, uh, not for food either. I see. Oh, they'll do it. They'll just do it on their own. Yeah, they have armies of ants. For the, for the love of the killing. Yeah. I see. We're going to be right back, Alan. Thank you very much. Welcome back to World Review Commentary. Welcome back to our program, Alan Wine. Glad to be here. Is 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 what you're describing a virtual reality, but it uh, they, they've created and they're calling it reality. It is. It is. We we are. There, there hasn't been a, a a society that's been so conditioned, carefully again scientifically, uh, and kept in the dark through a controlled media into an, an ulterior alternate reality as we we have had the most 
uh, I mean, everyone in pretty well in the Western Hemisphere gets the same news at the same time every day and by the same groups of people. There's only about three wire services that give them their news and they all parrot them. We never, we can't check if it's real, true or whatever until uh, years have passed and we generally find that what they're telling us is, are, are lies. Um, and we are kept under a pack of lies, I have to say that. There's no doubt about it. I was tracking down a publication the other day. I can't can't remember it right off hand. But it led me back to a major, uh, you know, media, uh, you know, company that's privately owned, that's connected to the Club of Rome. Uh, yeah, there are many of them. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? Yeah, so when, that, when I see them. these publications that, that look funny and, and they're pushing all of this slave thinking, right? Well, it gets back to the Club of Rome. Yeah, the Club of Rome is one one of the, the premier think tanks to do. Now, their job is to come up with ideas that will control people in the future, and they come up with ideas and then give it to the lesser think tanks to work out all the details and how to promote it and market the ideas through education, through propaganda to the public. And in the book written by the two founders of the Club of Rome, it's called The First Global Revolution, they said in that book, we sat around a table wondering how we could unite the, the, the people together in, in the world against a common enemy because the only time they can motivate us in a big way as the mass man is during war. We all come together and we do our bit type of thing and we do it with less, etc. And they said in a global society there will be lack of enemies, so we've got to create an enemy. And they thought, well, can we use space aliens? Could we, could we give 40 years of brainwashing and make them believe we're being attacked by aliens? And they actually have tried that idea to an extent. They tested that out with, with um, uh, back in the, the 50s or 60s, or even the 40s even, in a big experiment with War of the Worlds. Yeah, Not War of the Worlds, radio. man. That, that shook up everybody. Yes, and that was funded. It came out later. It was funded, that whole experiment by the U.S. government, the Psychological Warfare Department, in conjunction with the Psychological Department of Princeton University. And they came up and, and uh, found out the way to put it across to the public so they wouldn't be sure if it was just a program or reality. And many people died, you know, trying to get away from cities and panics during that, that broadcast. So they've used this on a big scale, but they're using it on a much bigger scale today because most people don't have a reality they have conditioned responses, and they parrot their downloading to other people. They have no original thoughts of their own. And, they, and because you have hundreds, I think it's 19-odd thousand radio stations in the U.S., they think they're freer because they have more stations. It doesn't occur to them they're all telling you the same lies because they'll get their news from three sources. <laughs> my gosh. The, the publication that, that comes to my mind was the Looming Tower, Towers, I think. And it was a it was a book done. Of, I think it won the Pulitzer Prize this year in 2007. Yes. Yeah. Well, I woke up the publisher and led me back to an, to a German-based publishing company that's privately owned, and uh, the head of that is an honorary member of the Club of Rome. Yes, it's not surprising at all, because back in the <clears throat> the 50s, in fact, um, they they copied the Soviet style. The Soviets had a Department of Culture. And then Britain brought in a Department of Culture, and every European did, uh, country as well did, and the U.S. did as well. And the U.S. and the British, uh, these are departments within MI6 and the CIA, 
uh, got together and the CIA decided they'd fund most of it. They set up a department in London and uh, a main street. And all the f- most famous authors, poets, writers, even magazine writers that we've heard of over the last 50 years belonged to that particular group. And they said that we shall give the public their thoughts, their ideas through fiction and non-fictional works and through music, through art and entertainment. And they ran the whole industry, for, and they still do. Yeah, that boy, that's interesting. There, there's a guy here that publishes uh, a, a newspaper. I won't even say who they are. And and occasionally he'll launch an attack on someone or criticism someone. And one time he did this, and he was using dialogue out of a movie to do it. Yeah, now, well, is that, is that a reach? You know? No, that that's is this outside, the what they think uh, about? Uh, anyone outside the U.S. hears that all the time. We hear little phrases by presidents and so on. It's obviously written by Hollywood scriptwriters. Yes, yes. And it's geared specifically for the American psyche. It wouldn't work anywhere else. But these are people that are trying to come up with arguments to overcome uh-huh. or criticize someone. That yep. uh, A very good person, in fact, in this case, the person they're criticizing is a fine person. But this person yes. is using this dialogue out of some That's crazy right. movie to try to to uh, decimate him, to uh, to discredit yeah. him. And that's exactly what Lenin said. You see, Lenin himself had been schooled in the dialectics, and he wrote that uh, we shall win this war over the minds of the public by the use of slogans, repetition of slogans. And he also meant through the entertainment industry, which the, the Soviet Union had a, had a big one for, for the Soviets. And you simply repeat those, those little phrases through movies and so on, have them come into civilian life, and, and the public are being conditioned like Pavlov's dog. They cannot think for themselves. They go through what they call repertoires in behaviorism and psychology. They go through a repertoire, and, and all you drag up are the slogans that have been indoctrinated into you. You know, do, what, what, what comes to my mind in just, uh, just a few seconds ago is that what we're saying is not comfortable for people to, to listen to, is it? No, it's not. Uh, people... They don't like it uh, You know, mm-hmm. when they first hear it, do they? They don't, especially when you, you maybe catch someone using them, uh, the conditioning, and you point it out to them, and it, it unsettles them, and you become the enemy because they've been comfortable in that little zone thinking these were their own ideas. They could even use a free speech comeback against you, couldn't they? <laughs> yes, they will. But generally, they'll use another slogan. <laughs> it's sort of like free speech. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, Alan, yeah. Yeah, well, you're right about that. They're full of slogans because that's what's been poured into them. Yes. So they'll just come back with a slow. Uh, this ridicule. Tell me how that works in your mind. How how do you be the the people that I'm talking about come back with ridicule sometimes, but no facts. Uh, yeah, that was the beauty of slogans. What, what what they do is you you attach a negative idea to a word or a term or a phrase, and and that's meant to silence the person who's talking when it's used against them. I and see. So, and, so you you have Nazi. You have Nazi. And as soon as you say Nazi. Uh, and, and connection with with someone who 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 is asking their, their that's a Nazi statement or Nazi or something some attack it's almost personal uh, uh, hominem yeah. homin- attack it's meant to silence you and before that it was communist used that in the U.S. too you, oh you're a communist well all you were doing was asking for more pay you know uh, so you're suddenly a communist uh, or, or you're anti-Semitic that was the one that that uh, brought up 
by the Scottish Rite of Freemasons that said they would push anti-Semitism and, and smear everybody with that if they asked pertinent questions. Yeah, we had a program last night, uh, me and uh, Charlotte Littlefield, about the uh, USS uh, Liberty. Oh, yes. And so, I mean, that's the dynamic right there that they've used to, tr- to deny the truth. Oh, right yeah. There. It's been used with so many. But, but what, what's so tragic about this is the, the good people of Israel are being used and the good people of America and Canada are, are being used, too, by these people. Every we're, group, all being, yeah, we're all being hustled. Being it's a hustle, Absolutely. isn't it? it? It's a hustle. It's yeah. a con game. But, again, I used to be fascinated by certain movies Hollywood put out. Okay. Like The Sting is a good movie. Yeah, yeah, I just saw that. <laughs> yeah, and it shows you the con, and each time you think you're getting to the end of the con, the scheme, you find there's another con within the con and another one, and it shows you the psychopathic's nature. They have that ability to con and con and see and even put games within the con itself. In other the words, a con within a con, and this is this virtual reality, a con it within is. a con, isn't it? It is. We'll be right back, Alan. Thank you. Welcome back to World Review Commentary. I'm your host, George Butler. Welcome back, Alan Watt. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. Would, you, would you like to take some calls now? Would you? Sure. Uh, our call-in number is 888-202-1984. Our lines are open now. Uh, that's 888-202-1984. This thing about a con within a con, I used to jump from one box or one ism into another one. <laughs> from one con to another, right? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. And I finally begin to see, I've got to stand out and look back at all those boxes that I was trapped by and see the whole overall scheme of things. Yes. Yeah. And so, 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 so they'll, they'll run a con at you and then they'll run something within that. It just gets to more virtual reality within virtual realities. Yeah. You, they, they, what they do in a con, you allow the victim to use their own logic, their own rationale, to come to what they think is their own conclusion as they try to work through a problem. So you put something out there and then then you, you watch them say, is this wallet mine or not mine or whatever, or does someone take it? Or And, and then the con man will gradually steer you. You think you're, you're steering yourself, but you're being steered towards what you think is a logical conclusion. But you end up in, in another con, and that's how politics works as well. We don't vote people in. We vote the last bunch out because they're so corrupt. I see. The, this thing about using your own imagination, this is indoctrination used by cults, is, is it not? Uh, yeah, cults are very important. The, 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 the methodology of cults is incredibly important because um, the CIA were running cults, like the Jones, the Jonestown experiment and so on, back in the, the 60s and 70s. Yes, I, I know that. And Reagan, of course, allowed Jones and some of his group into psychiatric hospitals to test their methods on people. And then they use it on the actual groups themselves, the cult members. Uh, now, if you stress a society enough and give them less and less sleep, for instance, and give them more stress at work, 
and stressful economy and uh, inflation and all the rest of it, you're implementing the same techniques, the cult shoes, you're uncertain. And the more uncertain you become, the more fearful you become, and the less sleep that you have, uh, because you're always anxious, you feel tired, then you're now become, you, you become susceptible to suggestion, and you look towards the cult leader who will either be the top man uh, in the treasury or or the president, uh, the big brother uh, that comes out with the comforting words and directs you, you're much more amenable to, to being guided. And this is all techniques that's been used now on, on the, the large societies. It looks like that all of these organized groups are, are cultic. They are. They in, are. In, in, in characteristic. There's no, there's no difference between them. Uh, same with political parties or left or right, doesn't matter. The control freaks, the same, the same personality types are in charge of them all. And so it wouldn't really matter if you if you uh, move one totalitarian bunch out and let the next totalitarian bunch in. Uh, their whole idea is based on control over masses of people. They do not see individuals at the top at all. Is one way to start coming out of the delusion or this this you know this enslavement system to being able to try to to observe your own thoughts and how those are enslaving you? Is that would that be a good technique? Yes, you must. In fact, uh, you, you reevaluate everything and right down to what is important to you as a person. Uh, how are you with your uh, interpersonal relationships? And then you will also go through the whole process of what is right and wrong in a society because there really are rights or wrongs. There are basic laws that cannot be broken. Basic laws. What, what, about, what about this know thyself? That seems to be a little rhetoric all the time they're pushing out. But they're using it on such a shallow basis like uh, humanistic psychology or something like self-realization, actualization. But it's not really uh, authentic or, or good, is it? It's not. Uh, what, what they mean when they bring them into groups or cults or all the New Age, which they run completely, by the way, uh, what they're teaching them is to come to a state of being and then, then the experts within the group will then uh, reinterpret what you're feeling and they will tell you where know thyself was really a method where you, only you, could come to your own opinions and decisions on yourself. I see. I see. So that's all subjectivism, and yeah. and, and 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 then and then they're going to control the outside inputs to to to, uh, to to push you in one way or the other, one direction or the other. Absolutely. Yeah. And the media, the big media conglomerations, cons you know, consolidation. There, it's only getting worse. It, it is. I personally don't believe there are any independent big corporations at the top. Uh, I, whether it's oil, gas. Well, they've got media. Davos every year, the meeting in Davos. They've got the Bilderberg Group. Yeah. Yeah. They've got Trilateral, CFR, and all those. Those are acting in a, as a means to dominate all those groups. Uh, that's right. And also the Club of Rome in that same book, The First Global Revolution, those leaders, after going through the UFO things and what they could make the public believe, which is pretty well anything, uh, they said that they, they, they decided that it would create global warming, the idea of global warming, and blame man himself so man would be the enemy of the planet, and that was written in the 1970s. So, so they're attacking man himself. Yeah, we are the enemy. Uh -huh. We we are the enemy. So we must be controlled, and our all of our action must be predictable. That's right. Because we are actually the the enemy of of, uh, of the world or whatever. We are the enemy of nature, Mother Earth, and all the rest of it, and all natural resources. 
it's our fault. And yeah. it's all our fault as consumers that it's become this way. H.G. Wells, he, he set out uh, a paper called The Open Conspiracy. Were, not, yeah. were they not telling us uh, decades ago what, what they were going to do? Absolutely. I mean, H.G. Wells belonged. Now, H.G. Wells was picked uh, at the precursor of the future society. It was run by Aldo Huxley's grandfather, Professor Thomas Huxley, in London. And he was picked and trained uh, with a lot of other uh, writers who became very famous. Okay, we, we've got a caller from Utah. Um, uh, let me let me bring him on in. Uh, Colin from Utah, why don't you, what is your question for uh, Alan Watt? Well, I'm calling from the Beehive State. Oh, are you? <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. Yes, Utah is known as the Beehive State. That's right. And uh, if you drive along the highways, you'll see the Beehive sign. Okay. On the road. Uh, so what I was uh, wondering is, I'm not a Mormon myself, but what is uh, your take on Mormonism? Well, Mormonism, see, back in the in the 1700s and the 1800s, especially in Europe, uh, the Masonic institutions, which were really at the top, all guided by the royal families, going right back to, to London, near at the top of the royal the Duke of Kent traditionally is the head of the lodge in London uh, for all masonry, and they give out charters for every other group. They wanted to set up experimental groups of people who would inbreed, by the way, uh, and be fairly docile and good producers. And they came out of that came uh, very many groups, uh, Mennonites, Amish, and so on. But also they tried the same thing in the States, and they called it Mormon, and wrote up a fake history to do with, with uh, Moroni, and the first letters of all moron gives you your clue. And uh, But it was a very well-behaved society. And we know that Joseph Smith and, and the other members were all Masons. And once you become a member of the Electi and Mormonism, the males only uh, get a certain degree. Then they're initiated into the exact same degrees as all Freemasonry. And I gather that there was some dissent between the Freemasons and Joseph Smith at some point. Uh, not really, no. Um, uh, he may have opened his mouth. Uh, it's often best, too, to get rid of the person who funds, who founds the institution uh, in case he gets too big for his breaches. You simply eliminate them after, the, after they've been used. And that's what George Orwell wrote in 1984, when he gave you all the laws to do with how you're sworn into this terrorist society, that you yourself might be eliminated and you accept that. Uh, Colin, thank you for your question, and call us uh, back again sometime. We, we appreciate it. Thank you very much. Okay. Um, we've got another caller online, uh, Richard from Texas. What is your question for Alan Watt? Hi. Um, you know, I uh, understand and appreciate a lot of what you guys are discussing this morning. Um, and uh, I recently watched the film uh, Zeitgeist, and that uh, the first part of that film goes through, uh, you know, the various Jesus-type characters throughout uh, the history, starting with the sun god Horus and, and that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, all having so many things in common, um, you know, virgin birth and, and all the rest of it. And I just would appreciate uh, your comment. I know that the Bible has been manipulated in a terrible fashion uh, and is to be taken with a large grain of salt. But, uh, you know, uh, there's a purity in the Jesus figure that I love. And just any comments you have about that, uh, I'd love to hear. Thanks. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Richard. Yeah. Um, well, the Jesus um, idea 
uh, again, it's ancient for sure. There's no doubt they tacked all the old mystery back onto it. I see. When, yeah, they did uh, with the virgin birth, uh, the four uh, main apostles, the north, south, east, and west. Okay, and we're going to come back. We've got to take a break, Alan and Richard, but thank you for your question. We appreciate it. Welcome back to World Review Commentary. Our phones are open right now for questions for Alan Watt. The number is 888-202-1984. Let me give that to you again. Yeah, that number, that call-in number, toll-free is 888-202-1984. Uh, welcome back, Alan Watt. Yeah, it's a pleasure, yeah. You know, I like the way you answer these questions. You know, you know why? Because mm-hmm. you're not insulting to people. No, there's, you know, no, and this, there's no need to, is there? No. Uh, you, it's like the religious one. There's no doubt that within all religions, in fact, I find that the basic rules uh, for simply society getting along without killing each other are always embedded. Uh, and that's what people naturally gravitate towards. That's why they like their religions. The problem is the religions have always been used for controlling vast groups of people, which is the intent of the elite. Vast groups of people give them their leaders, and you control them. And so uh, it's a double whammy. Uh, yeah, we know what's right and wrong innately within ourselves. I don't care what the psychologist says. says within ourselves, we know what's right and wrong. We do. So you subscribe to a very simple um, set of morals and beliefs that that you believe you know you know you in, innately you know what's right and wrong. We do. We, everyone does. Everyone, it doesn't matter if they deny so it. So what they they're trying know. to do is they're trying to dogmatize that or indoctrinate us or, or doctrinal uh, doctrine uh, through doctrines and dogmas, right? Absolutely. They're trying to build a, a synthetic system of man constructs, right? Yes, as I say, it's, it's a system where where uh, if uh, if 10 million people get slaughtered in a war, but we all benefit at the end and the war was worth it, even if we started it, uh, that's just, it's, it's moral relativism again. That's how they view outcomes, not with what's right That's or what they wrong. have in our public schools, social and moral relativism. Yes. Truth is relative, and, and, and your own truth is okay. You know, it's, it's right, you know. Yeah. So go for it and just believe it and... You know, it's just it's just so so crazy. I guess you know we can say insane. I guess crazy is another word term, right? Well, we've got to remember too that psychiatry through Freud—that's why they put Freud out there after Darwin—was to to build on on this evolutionary theory. And Freud came along after Nietzsche that God was dead, meaning that that you'd, you'd behave differently as a society and individually uh, if, you'd, if there was no God than, when, than the way you'd behave if you thought there was a God. And so psychiatry was put out there to fill the gap and, and again teach this moral relativism uh, where there's no real right or wrong. There's only how you feel at the end of it. So as long as you feel fine, everything's okay. I, I, yeah, that, that's a good insight. I, I, I approach these college kids, and I, I just have so much feelings for them and their lost uh, views. You know, yes, they're, they're so well educated, but they're not. They're not. They have no wisdom. No wisdom at all. No, no wisdom. And they're young, and, and I was there too at one time. I mean, you you started at an earlier age, coming out of that delusion into to truth seeking. But I mean, it took me years to come out myself. See. 
Yeah, and there's a minefield out there of disinformation. Yeah, M I M I N D minefield, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, those mines are 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 the are the are like minefields. They'll blow up on you. They'll they'll strike back and they'll they they, they come out. And they get very vicious and mean spirited at times. Yes, and and they can keep you running in circles for years. I, I describe what I call the man problem in being uh, the problem where men have a greater capability to create and, and conjure up and invent. And so they're out there inventing more of a virtual, abstract uh, yeah. reasons to support what's wrong in them, and that's why they're supercharged ego maniacs, right? Yes, they are. In fact, that's the definition of a psychopath. They are pure ego. They have no guilt, and they will defend their ego at any cost. You know, you know, one a good example of that is that men now that are getting caught in thefts and scandals, they'll stand up and they'll declare their innocence before yes, everyone or, or, in front of the mic. Huh? They'll even they'll even rationalize why they did it. Yeah, I mean, uh, some crazy reason. To, you know, yeah, and expect you to accept it. And then, and then you've got these people coming out of the universities where truth is relative. They're saying, "Well, maybe he had reason to do that." You know? Yes. I yes. mean, it's yeah. crazy. It's building on each other. Yeah, I know. And yet, those same people are so easily convinced that that one dictator in the world in history was the worst one of all, and they cannot see the same thing happening right now. Yes, uh, a friend of mine. He, he used to say that the more you support the monster, the worse the monster gets. Yes, there's no doubt it, it inflates and, it. Uh-huh. And so these cults of personalities, these great leaders are being supported. And I think that's true in a bad marriage, too, where a man is very abusive to his wife. Yeah. Uh, where where she'll support and keep going along with him, thinking that she can make him into a better person, and he gets worse. He gets worse. Yeah, uh, and he'll do more. He'll be more abusive, more physically abusive at times, or verbally, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and then a woman finally gets enough of it and has to leave, you know? Yeah. And, and 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 what they're doing out here today is is they're they're building on this idea of ego. Oh yeah. yes, see the whole thing in psychiatry and psychiatry you understand is tied completely with the system. Psychiatry was built as I said to replace the old priesthoods and become the new uh, psychological experts and psychiatrists. But it looks experts. it looks so clinically right, doesn't it? You can back up anything with bogus science. Yeah, you it's can. Just, you it's can. just another, it's just like theory or theology. <laughs> well, if, you, if you're using these books after 1900, well, there's no telling what's in them, right? <laughs> oh, anything goes. Yeah, you can put anything in a book, and and uh, but like like I found that I was this this occurred to me one time walking through the stacks here at the University of Texas, the Perry Costaneda Library, which is a wonderful library. But I, what, what occurred to me one time was I was walking through these stacks, and most of the books out here just reiterate the same old, same old. Same old repetition, repetition. Yeah. But, but new knowledge or original stuff like you're, 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 you're bringing out is, is not, is lacking in most it's of these. It's lacking, yeah. You, yeah. Uh, again, in psychiatry, the whole idea is that um, you, you're, you're supposed to be happy all the time. That's the new theory. And they said they push egocentric behavior, so you're supposed to be happy all the time, which is not a natural human state. You, you were even, you were an early escapee from that, weren't you? I was, but I, I was careful too. <laughs> were you were you like an escape non-con, right? Where you, you that, that was me. <laughs> you know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Would that describe you? Hey, tell me something about your music before before we end the program. What kind of music have you written and 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 uh, performed and things like that? Tell me about that. I've done all kinds. I've written songs and also gone into the studios 
and lead down the tracks often for groups. So you've been a studio musician also. Yeah, and well, that takes some played, skill uh, doing that. Yeah. Yeah, and also uh, I, I performed with groups uh, live across Europe and other countries, and also uh, I've, I've done concert classical guitar as well on stage. Well, I, next time we we bring you back, and I certainly want you to return for another. Uh, interview in the future whenever it's convenient. Could you do some of the music uh, either recorded or, or live on air for us? Maybe I could, yeah. Maybe. Yeah, I, w- I would love to hear some of your music and, and maybe send me an email about some, you know, point me to some of your, your music. You know, I, I would love to hear some of that. Because you're such an original human being, you know what I mean? <laughs> but you know what? People don't, uh, they, they, they view you as, as, they have these defense mechanisms, right? Like 9-11. You know, that, that, these things just come up automatically because of the conditioning. I know, I know. Yeah. So it's hard sometimes for people to, you know, it's like I used to listen to a guy years ago and I thought he was crazy and full of hate. Then mm-hmm. one day I said, oh, my gosh, he's preaching forgiveness. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I woke up one day, but I kept listening to him because I knew somewhere deep in his heart was truth. You know? Yes, I know. And that's where you've got a good heart, Alan, and, 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 and you're trying, you're really a positive force in this world, and that's, that's what's so great about, about your, your work, you know. Well, we have to push on now because it's, it's probably the most critical period has been for a couple of hundred so years. So right, right now, set out some of the most dangerous things that are happening. Uh, we've got a couple of minutes here, two, three minutes. Set out some of the most dangerous things that are happening right now. It's things we take for granted, again, because we think it evolved, and that is, uh, the Internet was given to us for a brief period to get us all used to it, addicted to it, to we think we can't do without it. Then it's coupled with a cell phone technology and Internet. The next step is the brain chip. They've discussed this at the, Loy- the Loyola University meetings, the World okay. Science meetings. And also um, the whole idea with this war on terror, which constantly expands to include every single individual on the planet, because everyone is a potential terrorist, is to get us all into the straitjacket we will allow ourselves to be uh, remolded and completely conditioned from cradle to grave. Uh, we can't allow this to happen. We can't allow our rights to be taken away because you'll never get them back. So is, is transmogrification a great change is underway, and, and this war on terrorism and this 9-11 stuff is leading people into a greater fascist uh, world state. A totalitarian Huxleyan state, that's the the outcome after a hundred years war of a brand new human being, purpose designed, no more individual thought. You'll be unable to think as an individual. And when that happens, they've conquered the world. Is a build down of population in the plans of of this group, these people? Yes, and that's part of the Club of Rome when they decided eventually, they said when we chose that man would be the problem. Sustainable uh, type of ideas? Yeah, Yeah. It's all to get total control till we have we give up all rights as as individuals, individual sentient beings. I got you. Well, we've got a minute here on on the way out, but uh, I, I thank you so very much, Alan Watt, for your your comments and your your you know your your ideas and your insights. Well, as I say, we we have to use every opportunity and try to reach the people because it's a time that we all must uh, decide and participate in or it's over for you us know all. what i've noticed about our conversation it's so easy and it goes back and forth so easy yes it does and it's it's like sitting in the living room and just describing the world in a different way i hope than than nobody else describes it as it is it's not a matter of dictating to people it's a matter of communicating as friends yes 
And I, I certainly value you as a friend, Alan Watt, and I want you back as soon as you can. It's been a pleasure. But thank you very much, and uh, we'll see you again. See you on the radio, okay? okay. You take care. <laughs> thank you, sir. Bye-bye.